0: This is episode 21 of One Page at a Time, Organize Your Shelf, Storing Your Books with Jamie Shainer. In this interview, we talk about finding ways to appropriately store books, Jamie's method of decluttering that can help you curate your personal book collections thoughts on what to do with books if you do need to downsize, and organizing your books once you have your storage options set. This is Jill in Virginia. And Amanda in Dubai. We're here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're
1: on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together, one page at a time. Today's guest is a professional organizer who founded Home Solutions of WNY Inc. in 2005. Her organizational and intuitive skills, enthusiasm, energy, and sense of humor are invaluable in this work that she loves. She's also an avid perennial gardener who loves playing in the dirt and enjoys reading and listening to all kinds of music. She serves on the board of her local mental health association. And one of the reasons we wanted to reach out to her is because of her approach toward books that I'll quote directly from her. As a professional organizer, I'm authorized to say there's such a thing as too many suitcases, too much jello in the pantry, or too many dolls with eyes that move, but rarely ever too many books. We are thrilled to chat with you today, Jamie Shainer. I'm thrilled to be with you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for joining us. (laughs) I am shamelessly selfish in wanting to talk to you because I have so, so many questions. (laughs) Good. So I'm just gonna dive right in with the last line of your bio that I just read. I want to bring up sort of a hot topic button here, but in today's Marie Kondo-loving, minimalistic, or maybe at least materially conservative world, I have to ask, I have a love of books. My husband likes things to be very organized, doesn't like stuff. I want to ask you, as a professional organizer, what is your opinion on having too many books?
2: It's, okay, so there is a caveat to that rarely ever too many books because when there are divergent approaches to books in a household, for example, what you just said between you and your husband, then you want to strike a compromise just for peace in the household because you certainly don't want your books that you love to be a source of strife. So what we try to do when we're organizing is find a way to wrangle them into a system that makes everybody happy. I will say that piles of books that people trip over or so many books that there are tumbleweed dust bunnies rolling all around them, books that are just there but not loved and not treated respectfully, that could be a sign of too many books. I tend to encourage people to find ways to store them appropriately and in the space that you have and go from there. So we can talk about different stores methods. But does that sort of answer your question? It, it really does. It,
1: it answers it very well. And I would love to go right into that types of storage. So I think of the traditional bookshelf. However, I also have baskets of books or little felt boxes, I guess, of some books for my kids. What are some of the types of storage that we can use for books?
2: When people talk about I don't have enough room for my books. One of the things I look at is what sort of bookcases do they have? A lot of times people will choose a bookcase that's three feet wide and three feet tall. Well, width takes up floor space, but height, I tell people go vertical. Always, always, always go vertical. So if you've got the floor space for a three foot wide bookcase, get one that's six feet tall or eight feet tall, however tall your ceilings are. Now you've just doubled your storage space. You can also use surfaces that are stationary things like the tops of file cabinets or the tops of dressers. You can use places strategically to gather little vignettes of books. You can use cubbies to sort and store books, especially those are handy for kids where you want them low to the ground. And I'll add a caveat, if you're gonna have tall bookcases, that aren't real solid you want to secure them to the wall if you have little children because kids do tend to pull on things and you certainly don't want to have a child buried under your pile of books. Sorry that's a little morbid but you know what I'm talking about. So going vertical is a really good idea. In my house I have bookcases and the only books that are allowed on the bookcase are books that have been read and books that are loved. Now they're not all loved equally but they're books that would be worthy of, yes, I will read this again, or yes, I'll refer to this in the future. Then I have a big basket and that's called my reading runway. And that's where books live until they've been read. They don't earn a spot on my bookshelf until I've read them and know that I want to keep it. So I have baskets of books. I have one in in the room where my wall of bookshelves is. And I have some books in my bedroom because they're really the very next ones. So I have my reading runway with probably a dozen-ish books in it. And that's, you know, that sort of defines if I can go to a bookstore or if I can go to a used book sale. I have to look at how much space is in my reading runway. If I have books and I'm not reading them, then it's really not
1: practical to go buy more. Ah, see. And that comes back to what I originally asked, kind of the difference between my husband and I, if they're being used and if they're being referred to and appreciated then our spouse who maybe wants fewer books or wants things to be very clean is going to recognize that these are they're not just fluff right stuff laying around but they're actually being utilized and right
2: and I do think sometimes people our lives change so just through age or interests or work life, our, our priorities change, our interests change. So somebody that has maybe 50 to 100 cookbooks, but now lives in a senior community where their main meal is provided for them, and I'm trying to downsize them appropriately, sometimes we do have to make choices and decisions. So when there's too many books, literally for a space if somebody's downsizing, or again, with a disagreement among the house members, then I encourage people to choose a category. And really, sometimes you have to be ruthless and truthful in, all right, do I really use all of these cookbooks? Am I really still interested in the Civil War history? Do I need all these gardening books, yada, yada, yada. So when I say there's never such a thing as too many books, it's because I am a book lover. So I'm going to confess right here and right now, I can't go to the library. I can't borrow books. When people say, oh, I've just read this great book. Would you like to borrow it? I just can't. I need to own the books I read because if I want to earmark the pages or highlight something or love it for the rest of my life, it just can't be a borrowed book. But sometimes there's a temporary interest or a temporary thing that buying the book doesn't really make a lot of sense because you're just trying to learn how to do one thing for one purpose. So that's when a library book, a borrowed book from a friend, not owning it could come in handy.
1: As you are describing this process of helping people to go through their collections, I'm imagining Marie Kondo, and I'm sorry to bring her up again, but (laughs) with her philosophy, She's very strict with what comes in and out and she's also a very public figure. So that's that's why I'm bringing her up. There are likely to be some of our listeners who are familiar with her work. She has this process to remove items from the household. Do you have a process that you would recommend? Do you adhere to the Marie Kondo style of you know thank you and now you shall leave?
2: My process is a little bit different, so I will say I, I I did when Marie's first book came out, I wrote a blog post about it because as I read it, I tabbed pages. So pages that I that she said things that I agreed with got green tabs, and pages that she said things I disagreed with got pink tabs. I think there are sixteen green tabs and. A about 45 pink tabs, because there's a lot of, and one of the things she said in her first book, now she may have tempered this a little bit, because I'm sure there had to be outcry and backlash. But what she said about books was, there's no reason to ever keep any books. If there's something you read in a book that you enjoy, just rip out the page and keep the page. And that's just horrific to to book lovers around the world, I'm sure. It's just not okay to damage books. It's just not. I mean, I earmark pages, and I might highlight something that I think is but it doesn't render the book unreadable. So for me, her whole thing is does it spark joy? When I'm organizing with a client, I have a little bit more of an encompassing approach because I tell my clients, here's the deal, my toilet plunger doesn't spark joy, no matter how desperately I might need it in a moment of rising water. So my questions are, do you need it? Do you use it? Do you love it if it's something lovable? And do you have the space to appropriately store it? So those are the parameters that I go through. So when we're looking at books, again, if books are organized, and we can talk about that when I finish this little bit, if you want, then you should be able to take a category or take an author, or take a subject matter and ask yourself, do I need this? Is it a functional book? Is it something that teaches me something that I still need to be able to refer to? So many of us now, I mean, I look up at the top of my desk and I have a dictionary and I have a thesaurus And I have a grammarian book and a Scrabble thing. But really, when I want to look up another word for a word, I tend to go onto the computer. So the books above my desk are more decorative and making a statement that words are important to me, but I rarely stand up and reach for one of those books. So if I had to make space for four other books, I could let those go because I don't really need them. I just love them. So those are the parameters, if that again (laughs) makes sense. I have a number of gardening books. Some of them I go to all the time, some of them not so much. If I were to find a gardening book that I really loved, then I would probably get rid of one that I didn't love so much. I'd release it out into the universe for somebody else to love.
1: Oh, I like that visual there at the end.
2: Well, that, that's how we deal with anything except absolute pure trash. I tell clients, that you aren't using this, let's release it out into the universe for somebody who doesn't have these books of their own or whatever it might be that we're organizing. There are a number of places, I'm sure in most any community, we have a university women's organization with our University of Buffalo and they have an annual book sale every year and they rent a giant space the size of, I can't even think of like an office depot. They rent a giant space and they start collecting books in September for next June's sale and they have thousands of books that people love to donate books to them. And then people love to go there and shop for those books. It's So I tell clients, if you have books to get rid of, I'll get them to the University Women's Book Sale and somebody will buy them and love them. It often makes letting go a little easier.
1: Yeah, I could see that. And I also could see that that book sale would be an organizational (laughs) nightmare.
2: (laughs) Well, they have have volunteers that work eight-hour days for months and months and months. Because when you go into that book sale, it's like walking into a Barnes & Noble times 10. It's just giant. I can't even explain, but it's all organized. It's categorized and organized. And if you're looking for something specific, there will be people there that can direct you.
1: Wow. And June, you say? So,
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) It's in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. (laughs) Well, it might
1: be worth the flight over. No, I do haul books back from the US over here. You mentioned a couple things that I kind of want to combine together. So as Talking about bookcases and going vertical, I think we can all imagine the benefits of that. And I just bought my first bookcase dedicated solely for books, and it is short, it's, you know, shoulder height it does not reach the ceiling um, because I don't have one available. And as soon as it was there, I could see the benefit of having it reach to the ceiling. However, I do wonder, as you are putting books in different places on perhaps, you know, I I like the idea of having a little display of a book that means something to you, or, you know, as you have books in different places, and possibly on these really tall shelves, Mm -hmm. how would you recommend organizing them so that you know what you have and you're able to find it
2: okay great question so and just to go back to your short bookshelf you could also hang a couple shelves like decorative shelves on the wall above the bookshelf and continue it up that way
1: oh that's a good idea I do rent, so I'm not able to put holes in the wall. But that is a very good solution for those who are able to do it.
0: (laughs) I do not rent, and I think that that is absolutely brilliant. I have these short (laughs) little bookshelves that I've had for years, and it's not in the budget to buy taller ones right now, but they bother me every time I look at them. And I think I could find wall shelves that are are in the budget. So right there, this interview has been worth it. (laughs) Hallelujah.
2: And also, I will say, say on my bookshelves, in front of all of them, I have, all right, let me back up. People think because I'm an organizer, they assume that I'm a minimalist. I'm not. I like things. I, I love my home. I like to, there's things that I like to collect. I collect those little weighed figurines that come in the tea boxes. I don't drink the tea so I collect them from estate sales and I have those on the shelves. I have things that belonged to my grandparents or my parents or my husband's parents. Vases and I love little boxes whether they're ceramic or wooden or painted. I collect animals. so I have all these little things. So in addition to having books that I love, the bookshelves are also filled with these little things that I love. And they bring me joy every time I look at them. If I had to get rid of them, could I? Yes, I'm not so attached to my things that I couldn't let them go. But right now on this wall where we have the space, they bring me joy. I enjoy looking at them so I keep them. Okay, so now to organizing books. When you think of a library and how it's organized, you could ask a librarian or you could go to, well now it's probably all, for. there's probably no card catalogs anymore. I'm old. But you could find what you want when you want it. And that's my theory about anything in a house. I tell people being organized is about finding what you want when you want it. So the most logical way to organize books is either by subject matter when it's nonfiction, Here's my history books here's my gardening books here's my cookbooks here's my how to fix anything in my house books whatever 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 so those are organized by category so you know in a certain section of a shelf that that's where you'll find those books. Fiction books in my mind it makes most sense to organize them alphabetically by author. I have probably half a dozen favorite authors so I have a giant bookshelf and then two side bookshelves that match it they're a little smaller so they flank it. So there's a giant bookshelf in the middle, two side ones. The side ones are dedicated spaces to my beloved authors. So all of my Anne Patchett is on one shelf and all of my Barbara Kingsolver is on a shelf and Ann Tyler has her shelves, so, but they're all by author. So if somebody says to me, have you read this book or do you have this book or could I borrow this book? It's very easy to find because they're alphabetical by author. I'm not a fan. I am not a fan of covering all your books in white so you have an all-white bookshelf. I, I can't even. I can't even. Because then, really, you might as well just cover cardboard. You, If you're covering your books with white, unless you somehow have a, a key that tells you where each book is, I, I just don't get it. But I'm not an interior designer. I will say I've seen little vignettes where somebody's got a like a red and black room. So they choose their books that have red covers and and make a little thing. Okay, I, I can see that as long as you still know if you're looking for such and such a book by such and such an author. Oh, I think it might be in the in the little red section because I pulled it out. Otherwise, I think books should just look like books on a shelf. That's my story and I'm sticking with it.
1: So it kind of sounds like when your books have a purpose, then you should want to find them and or, and be able to find them. And if your books do not have a purpose, then people would have them there for aesthetics. Correct. So then, I mean, there are so many different ways that you can arrange books, you know, sideways, Mm -hmm. vertical, by colors, you know, all of these different things that look really good on Pinterest, but it's sort of sounding like that is aesthetic only, and it is for making a statement, and it's not necessarily the best way if you have books that you're going to be using. Am am I getting this right? I
2: I, I agree. So let's just say somebody's redoing their bedroom and they're painting it and seafoam green and they have a little shelf and they'd like to put some seafoam green colored books on it to me finding seafoam green colored books that are nothing that you would want to read it's just bad energy it just i just i i think of books as having energy well anything can have energy but that might be too out there for for some for, for some listeners but things do have energy so so to just use a book that's created to be read and impart wisdom or thought or joy or whatever, to just use it as a color just seems, I don't know, as a book lover, I just, I have a hard time with that. So I would probably be inclined to look through the books I have and love and select books that have the right color rather than just go out and buy books Books of a certain color because of the color. Does that make sense?
1: It makes sense to me, and it it also makes more sense to me as a as a person that reads a lot of nonfiction to arrange my books by author or by topic or uh, something of that nature, instead of doing the colored books, even if I do use the books and it is there for a practical purpose Mm -hmm. to arrange it by color, I don't necessarily attach a book with the cover of it but I suppose maybe some people do. Do you feel like visual learners would benefit from a different organizational style?
2: Without having researched that topic, I would tend to say no, because they're not learning from the color of the book. So so they would have to learn where to find the book they want. And again, I would think reading, either knowing the name of the author or knowing where they keep all of their such and such books would be more informative and more helpful than having them arranged by color even for children and a lot of times I mean with kids books again you want them age appropriate at a level that they can reach so for little 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 ones the cardboard type books should be kept low where they can reach them and access them at will when they're old enough to reach and access by will and then ones that you would want to be bedtime reading together would maybe be on a little bit higher of a shelf but thinking of a child and even just as as they're learning to read they wouldn't d- decide what book to pick by the color of the cover they would either know because they've seen it or they would learn to read the words.
1: That makes sense to me. Okay. You sold me on that. Um, So talking about kids books, as you organize your books and you have shelves and we have young kids, both Jill and I have young kids right now. And as our shelves fill and as our children are able to access the books because we do prioritize that as well. They love to pull the books off of the shelves. Mm -hmm. So then you have books everywhere all the time. Do you have any recommendations for that? What would you recommend or what would you say to those of us struggling with this right now?
2: You would sort of approach that based on your comfort level and the comfort level of those in your family as well as safety issues because books flat on a floor with toddlers stepping on a book slip and fall could, could be a real thing. So while they're sitting on the floor with books scattered around them, here's the deal. Kids are trainable. So you teach them, okay, you got all these books out, now it's time, it's nap time, so we have to put the books away. You know, I think there was, didn't Barney have a clean up song cleaned up? Or maybe it was romper room. <laughs> Clean up, clean up, everybody clean up. So I think, and especially if you want to teach them a love of books, they should, They also at the same time need to be taught a respect of books. Now, it could be a case of let's just throw these all in a basket instead. That's fine. If it's just tossing them into a basket is easier than lining them up on the shelf, sure, have at it. Have appropriate size baskets and the books can just get thrown in there. And I assume, you know, if they get thrown flat, then they're all going to just be there and that's okay. It still gives them a home and lets them live safely in a place until they're ready to be read again. But I think it's important for kids to understand treating books respectfully. And and the one thing I I know when people say, oh, you know, I gave my daughter a magazine to rip the pages out of. And I said, well, that's all well and good when you're in control of the magazine she's ripping. But what about mm-hmm. the next magazine she comes upon that you don't want ripped? They don't know. So ripping pages out of things might not be the best, you know, fun thing to do.
1: I have one more question. And I apologize in advance. This was not on any email or anything. So hopefully this isn't catching you too off guard. by just thought of it. So as you're talking, I'm imagining what happened in my family with children's books. I had books that I loved as a child that my parents saved for me and they kept it in their house. We each took little sticky notes and put it inside the book that, you know, we wanted. And then now that we have children of our own, we've been taking those books home with us. And so our children now can enjoy it. Do you have any recommendations for storing books throughout different phases of our lives? My parents were storing books for their grandchildren eventually, or when you're in college and you don't have the space in your dorm room to store books, do you have any recommendations for what to do or not do with books over this sort of finite period of time, for whatever reason you may have, um, that you can't have those books.
2: Yes, I do. I have two sons who are grown and I have some of their favorite childhood books on the bookshelf in our living room because, again, they just bring me joy to see them and remember them and Frog and Toad, our friends and The Giving Tree and things like that that were, you know, just really special books to read when they were growing up. So so there's this one shelf in our house where they're still out on display. The rest of the books are in a plastic tote in our attic so that someday if and when they want them, I still have them. I didn't save all of their book because they weren't all equally beloved. So some were passed on, but the ones that were really special, we still have. My recommendation is if you're gonna store something, whether for you know the family home that your parents just keep it because they have the room, and I tell people that's all well and good, until you have to downsize but plastic totes that are appropriately sized because if you fill a too big of a tote with books it's too heavy for a man woman and child to move so you want smaller bins that they're in and then you want to label it childhood books college books whatever 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 and the other reason to store them in plastic totes versus cardboard boxes is they would be protected from water from smoke, should there we had a house fire at one point in time, and anything that was in a cardboard box was damaged either by water or smoke. So I recommend plastic totes, not too big because books are heavy; they're they're dense, they're solid. Is that helpful?
1: Yeah, very. I'm I'm just wanting you to keep going. I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, no, that's really helpful, and it's nice to get permission to hold on to these things that we do love and that we feel very close to and connected with, and I do enjoy reading books that I had in my childhood with my children now. And I can't imagine feeling, it's almost like ripping a part of your heart out if I were to imagine not having access to some of these books that are no longer in print or are really difficult to track down. I really appreciate hearing that.
2: On the flip side of that, though, I will say, for example, my son, uh, all of his college books are in bins in our basement. Right now, I don't need that space for anything else. So I don't care that they're there. But I have to work with clients all the time who have attics full of things for their adult children who now have homes of their own and parent is downsizing and that's where I have to give them permission to set a timer whether it's a day a week a month or a year but you have to tell your adult children we're moving we're leaving and you've got this amount of time to come and go through your things if you want it we'll ship it to you or get it to you or you come and get it but if you don't want it and or the time passes then it's mine to disperse as I see fit. The parental home isn't a storage unit till the end of time.
1: That shows respect for your parents and
2: for their space as well. Right.
1: Well, Jamie... Did we miss anything? Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about?
2: I don't think so. I, I mean, we talked about a lot of different things. So if you've got something, a last minute approach, like I said, book lovers, there have been times in my life as an organizer when I go into a home and there are literally thousands of books and the home is bordering on a hoarding situation. So my, your opening statement that I say there's rarely ever such a thing as too many books. I I think people know when they look around. (laughs) Have I crossed the line or are we still within the parameters of it's okay? That's a good question yourself. I think it's really
1: helpful how you laid out that boundary of what's too much, what's an okay amount and if it's useful and if you are able to access it, if you have the space for it, then it's not so much an issue. However, if there are piles and stacks and you're not using it, if it is just to have the thing, then, you know, that's where you run into the problem. Right. Agreed.
0: This was an interview that both Amanda and I have been looking forward to for a long time, and it definitely did not disappoint. About a year ago, I went through all of my own personal books and did some waiting, and I wish that I had Jamie's four questions to help me make the decisions of which ones to keep and which ones to donate when I was going through it. It would have made it so much easier to decide. For our kid books, we have them pretty much as organized and stored as well as they can be, with a six, a four, and a two-year-old reading them. Uh, which means about half the books are on the shelves and the rest are piled on their beds. But my own and my husband's books have been kind of neglected for quite a while. We moved into the house that we live in now about three and a half years ago, and I'm still using these three bookshelves that I've had since I was in grad school. And they're still in pretty good shape, which is why I haven't felt the need to replace them but my house and my book collection has changed so much since I got them in grad school that they just don't really feel right anymore and it's kind of been bugging me for a while now so I really appreciated Jamie's thoughts on storing our books especially her idea to hang shelves on the wall above short bookcases because all of my bookshelves are kind of short, and it's probably not in my budget to get gorgeous ceiling height bookshelves right now. If that's your case, it's a fabulous idea.
1: Yeah, those tall bookshelves are so pricey. They can just, I mean, they're gorgeous. And you see these walls of bookshelves, and I'm like, oh, man, someday. But if you don't have that option, going vertical makes so much sense. And so adding shelves or doing whatever you can to use that space, yeah, makes sense to me. And it directly addresses the fourth question that Jamie says is part of her organizing process, that having space to appropriately store it. And that's a really important part of the deal. I love that her books are earn a place on her shelf instead of going there automatically. I tend to buy my books when I find a good deal, even if I haven't read them. And maybe it's an author that I really like, or maybe it just looks like a book that is something that I should know about. (laughs) And so then I buy it and they go right on the shelf. And So I have a lack of a system for me reading these books, so I don't read them for quite a while, and it doesn't help organizationally to not be filtering the source of the books that end up on the shelves. I mean, if you can stop the books from ever going on the shelf in the first place, when you wouldn't keep it there anyway, if you had read it to know that...
0: So I thought that was really cool, too. And it was really interesting to hear her own personal process for how she goes about her book process or sorry, how she goes about her book choices and what goes on her bookshelves. And it was a great example to me of how different everyone is when it comes to their reading styles and their reading systems, because I am almost completely opposite from Jamie. So I hardly ever buy a book unless I've already read it and loved it. Uh, The vast majority of books that I read, I check out from the library, and when I fall in love with one of them, I buy a copy so that I can read it again whenever I want. But I know that there are plenty of people who don't like to reread books, so my personal system wouldn't work for them, just like their system wouldn't really work for me. Um, So I think the the more important point is just thinking about your system, and if it's working for you, and if it's working for your organizational needs. And if it is, great. And if it's not, then maybe it, it takes some looking at it and seeing if there's some a point in that process that you can streamline or or make it go better.
1: Yeah, I think you're right and I think that it's important to periodically check in with your current system and just see if it is still working or if it should be changed. She kind of talks about how, you know, different phases can lend to different yeah. situations in your bookshelves. I don't know that beyond the major milestones where your kids are, you know, born or maybe they move out of the house or, you know, other than those big major milestones, I don't know that there's a whole lot, at least in from what I remember, other than moving, from, you know, moving from one house to another. Those are all huge things. But if you can periodically check in with your system when you're not going through those big steps... I think that could also be helpful. I agree. Yeah. And you had mentioned her four questions. And I also wish that I had had those, I don't know, all my life. (laughs) And I feel like they're more helpful. Than um, other popular methodologies that are out there today. For me, one of the big things that hit me when we were talking with Jamie during the interview, I felt like I was struggling to process this huge idea and mindset shift that I'd never had before, which I feel like I say that a lot after our interviews. Like I had never thought of this before, but it's true that people are talking to me and I'm like, huh, well, there is that. Anyway, so this is another one of those. I I really do feel like everyone teaches me something that I just was completely not on my radar. But Jamie had said that having books to have books isn't a very good statement. She didn't say that outright, but that's the mindset shift that I came away from this interview with. It's not an accurate statement to represent me, you know, that having books to have books is a thing. You know, so now that I've had some time to think through this idea and what Jamie said, I have a story and it's pretty long. So I ended up turning it into a blog post that you can find on our website. It's linked in the show notes of this episode. It goes through some of my teenage years and I I don't know. I think it's a good story. But with that cliffhanger, <laughs> I'll tell you that I'm currently in the process of curating my collection based on what statements the books themselves make about me and also being sure that it is accurate and positive in its reflection of who I am as a person and not just, you know, here's a book and therefore I'm a good person because I have a book.
0: <laughs> I love that. And that's very similar to what I did about a year ago. Um, with not as clear direction because I hadn't talked to Jimmy yet. So I hope we you all had that a little bit smoother than mine did last year.
1: Well, it'll be kind of tricky. I mean, I I have book collections in two places. I have one at my parents' house. My most beloved books are actually at my parents' house, and then the books that I have here are very different and so I yeah it'll be interesting to see how I kind of navigate this and and weed through. all. So another thing that I thought a lot about after this conversation with Jamie is all of the books all over the floor and her response to that and I love the idea of taking responsibility for teaching our kids from a young age to respect books. We kind of do it with libraries but I don't think we talk about books themselves. We talk about libraries and respect for libraries, sort of, kind of extending into maybe books. But I don't know. I, I love the tangibility of describing books sprawled on the floor as being unsafe for my kids. And I teach them the importance of wearing seatbelts, all enforced jumping on the couch. You know, so I'm going to be taking a more firm position on the safety side a more mentoring role in teaching about properly treating books and respect
0: for books. So I love all of that so much. And to be honest, I had never thought about having my kids pick up their books, their own books in that way. Um, I think that toddlers pretty much all go through the empty the bookshelf phase and I always just treated it as a phase and I kind of gritted my teeth and got through it and figured they'd eventually grow out of it and move on to destroying my house in some other way but instead I feel like I should have been using it as this teaching opportunity of respect for books like you were saying I mean I had my line right now my line was okay they're on the floor just don't stand on them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, there that's where my line is like now but I there's more that I could have been doing with this and so my youngest is still in the empty the bookshelf phase um so I'm definitely going to react differently when she does it now than I did with my older two so-
1: solidarity Jill right there with you. (laughs) And we just added all the chapter books to our collection here and taking them off the shelf is my son's favorite pastime right now. So I'm glad we spoke with Jamie about that and about just everything else. She's wonderful. She's full of enthusiasm. I love her love for books. I enjoyed our lead-up communications and discussion. She's just, she's amazing. Our home is going to be changing for the better this week, beyond this week, for sure. After all, if you're not using your books, something's got to change, right?
0: So we have some ideas for upcoming episodes and website resources, and we would love your help. So if you could shoot us a message... Um, an email at one.page.podcast at gmail.com and one is spelled out O-N-E. Or on Instagram, our handle is at one, once again, spelled out O-N-E, underscore page, underscore podcast. So if you could hit us up with your favorite places to find bargain book buys, that would be fantastic. Also, if there is another kind of bookish podcast instagram or other social media account or a website that you reference often for book recommendations we would love to hear those as well so hit us up once again email or instagram are the best places to find us and share your resources with us would be fantastic it has been a pleasure to be with you all this week i hope you enjoyed hearing jamie's wisdom as much as we did and we will talk to you next week